BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You're listening to the Talking Metal Podcast, iTunes' number one hard rock and metal podcast, with your host, Mark Striegel. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast. It is late October 2013. My oldest son just had his fifth birthday. We have the one, the only... Mr. George Lynch on the show today, or simply George Lynch. He tells me I do not need to refer to him as Mr. So it was great to finally, after all these years, have one of my favorite guitar players really of all time. That's uh, that's uh, the honest truth. I'm not just saying that to kiss his ass because he's on today's show. Uh, always loved him going back to the docking days. remember trying to learn his, his leads as a guitar player. And uh, always being inspired by his musicianship and playing. Not only with Dokken, but with a lot of the stuff he did post Dokken. Including, of course, Lynch Mob. Anyways, right now, before we speak with George Lynch, we are going to hear from the Sean Baker Orchestra. The name of this song is Which Way to Radio Land?
Which Way to Radio Land by Sean Baker, the Sean Baker Orchestra. We had a request that came in. It, this isn't really a metal song, but I'm going to play it. The request was for a little Ricky Bird. And this request comes in from Eric from D.C., who gave us a really great PayPal donation recently. So thank you, Eric. me I swear I told her one kiss only one kiss only just as one kiss only I'm a married man now I must have had 
Ricky Bird, a little sound sample there. We will have links up in today's show notes where you can check out Ricky Bird and his website, Joan Jett's uh, former guitar player. And he was interviewed on Talking Rock recently. So, Eric, thanks for the donation and thanks for the request. Again, to get the full track, go buy it on iTunes. So without further ado, let's get into the interview with George Lynch, leading us in a little sound sample here of River of Love by Lynch Mob. On the line, we have Mr. George Lynch. Hey, George, thanks so much for joining us on Talking Metal today. Hey, Mark, thanks. Uh, you don't have to call me Mr. <laughs> okay. Just George is fine. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Cool. You, uh, I was just on your site, and I was watching some great footage of you over in Japan, I believe, at the Loud Park. Uh, was that like a festival that was going on over there? Yeah, yeah, that's a, an annual festival they've had. This was, a, so I believe, this was the thirteenth Loud Park. Um, Lynch Mob played it four years ago, um, and I also got up with Doc, and Doc was on the same bill and played after us. So I got up on stage with them, and uh, it was a it was a lot of fun. So you can't play it too often. There's kind of rules, you know. So you can only come back every four or five years. So they asked us back this year. Uh, it's obviously a different incarnation of the band. Um, we had uh, Jimmy DeAnda on drums uh, from Boat Boys. We had Kevin Valdez from Lit on bass, and Keith St. John uh, was in Montrose, I think, for a while on vocals. And uh, yeah, it was a it was a ecstatic fifty minutes, which took us four days to get there and back. But it's kind of incredible. It's like you know, you fly halfway around the world, and you know, twelve-hour flights each way, and on stage for 50 minutes it was a little insane but it was fun cool do you get over to Japan often? um yeah you know I not as quite as much as I used to but I think I'm going to be going back there more often uh, uh, in the future here because I've got things going on over there but you know sometimes I go over there for clinics let's say or ESP business but I haven't been over there uh, to perform, uh, I believe Lynch Club uh, was the last time I was there. And before that, I, I went over there to tour with Souls of Leave, which is a little project band that I had. Cool. Yeah, you always have so much stuff going on. I wanted to talk to you about one of the the new things that was uh, recently announced that sounds quite exciting. Can you tell us a little bit about KXM? How did this project come together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, 
you know, when you're in the music scene here, especially in Southern California, you know, you run into everybody. Everybody loves everybody. It's a mutual admiration society. So, you know, you're hanging out, you're playing gigs, you're running into your, your, your buds and your friends. And, you know, invariably with all of us, you know, it's always, oh, let's, let's form a project, you know, let's do something together because we want to play together. You know? right. and, uh, and it's usually just, you know, it never goes anywhere. But this time it actually did. It's just really amazing. Things lined up. And, uh, and Doug has been like, you know, uh, first time I heard King's X out, out of the Silent Planet and Gretchen goes to Nebraska, I was like, oh, to me, he was the benchmark. You know, I mean, this is the guy that I was born to play with, you know. And, uh, you know, he's he's got it all. I mean, he's, you know, comes from gospel roots and he's got the blues thing and it's just, it just does it all. And I just, I just knew it would be a natural fit. And, you know, I mean, Doug's so good, he's a natural fit with anybody all by himself, you know, kind of self-contained. Uh, you know, machine, you know, playing, you know, got that very unique bass attack and sound. And, you know, obviously his vocal styling, he's a poet. I mean, you know, when he writes, he's just a, like, he's a great lyricist and uh, great front man, the whole nine yards. And, uh, and Ray and I have, you know, just been in other little projects and done things together and always touch base, but um, never really got serious. And then it just, I don't even remember exactly how it all fell together, but uh, it was, it was um, you know, we all have limited time, you know, in being that we're all in other projects and things like that. So, you know, we basically said, well, look, let's really, really do this and quit talking about it. And I set up a studio, and uh, it's this place called Sound Mountain. It's up in the Tehachapi Mountains in Southern California. It's very remote basically a two-story house that nobody lives in, a vacant house that's been outfitted as a studio. And you basically live there and, and just immerse yourself in the music from, you know, from when you get up to when you go to bed, you know, it's, right. it's, which is pretty awesome because there's no distractions. And we went in there and we set up and, uh, and it was just uh, really magical. I mean, I think we spent eight days and we wrote the bulk of the record in that amount of time and tracked everything. And, uh, and the stuff is just beautiful, and it's just kind of this magic moment that just sort of happened. You know, we captured it, and it was great. Uh, you know, pretty hard to make a bad music with uh, those three guys, right? Yeah, definitely. And what does KXM actually stand for? Uh, it's the initials from each one of our respective bands. So we Korn. We put a whole lot of thought into the name. Yeah, Korn, King's King Jackson, and Mob. Mob, gotcha. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, it's not my, naming bands is not my strong suit. Right. Yeah. But, uh, you know, all the good names have been taken. I don't know. It's really hard. It's honestly the hardest thing that I have to deal with with, with band projects. Not that everything else is easy, but it, it's almost like an impossible thing, you know, to come up with, like, the magic name that really defines who you are, you know. So, you know, somebody should start a, a band naming service or something in Hollywood right. because I'd, I'd pay for that. <laughs> Cool. Well, we heard the one song, Gunfight, in a video clip you guys posted, but when do we get to hear the rest of the record? Well, we're just putting together deals uh, for all the territories around the world, and we've got some work to finish up. I mean, we we decided to write a couple of more songs. Just We want the album, like the first uh, Lynch Mob record, Wicked Sensation, we want it to be wall-to-wall, -wall, you know, with no excuses. So 
there's a couple things on there that I'm not really uh, super sold on, so we want to go back in and hit it and make sure that it's uh, undeniable from start to finish. And uh, we've got some vocals to finish up. So, um, and chords out until December, so um, it, it's looking like March, April-ish. Uh, because it takes three months from when you deliver the record to the record company for them to be able to actually get it out on the street. So uh, we'll, I assume we'll deliver in January, so that put us in you know, spring of 2014. Cool. Well, we're looking forward to that. Uh, what about the yeah. Infidels? What's the, the status of you guys? Uh, well, that's uh, Sendog Send from Cypress Hill and um, the Rhythm Section from War. Um. And it's uh, Pachita Tomaselli and Sal Rodriguez. And uh, it's a completely different animal. It's uh, somewhat political. Uh, we're sort of like our image is sort of, we're all, it's very Che kind of camoed out, you know. <laughs> and uh, it's, uh, there's a lot of improvising. I mean, I mean, we have one song, um, I can't remember the name of it right now, something Eagle that we wrote, uh, we went into a studio uh, at the Sunset Marquee Hotel. It's a private studio. And we just set up, we all played together. You know, it was like overdub stuff. We just threw it all down live. And we have one song that ended up being a 16-minute song that was completely improvised. Wow. You know, no no takes. I mean, we just, we, we had never played together before. And we just started jamming. And, and that's the basis for the record. So we have, we, we kept some of that intact. And the balance of the record is, is uh, you know, ideas that we established there and then we built on them uh, with Send Dog. And what we're going to do, we're not going to release this in a traditional way. We're going to put out a song a month, uh, hopefully around Christmas time when we start. And we're going to put one song out, digital only, um, every single month. So Amazon, cool. iTunes, that kind of thing. And at the end of that 12-month period, uh, when we've released everything, uh, we'll probably release the whole record then at that point. Uh, uh, but, you know, we're a long way from that. <laughs> right on. But it, it's a lot of fun. It's it's, it's kind of like uh, Band of Gypsies, but like real heavy funk. Excellent. Well, we look forward you know, to hearing that. Yeah. It's hard to describe music over the phone. <laughs> right. Let's uh, take a break from talking about the music and talk about your the movie you're involved with, Shadow Nation. Uh, can you talk about what it's about and uh, your involvement with it? Well, we have a band called Shadow Train, and what we've done over the last three years is take these uh, musical journeys through uh, the Southwest and up to South Dakota and up to the Canadian border and back a few times, and and mainly spending a lot of time on uh, spending a lot of time on Native American reservations playing with other native musicians and come groups and dancers and things like that and and uh, filming that you know and um, documenting that but within the journey itself we're we're exploring a lot of places and talking to a lot of people and discussing a lot of issues um, which can seem somewhat dry on the surface but they're very political and historical issues having to do with you know, the uh, indigenous population of First Nation, of Native Americans in this country, and the, the genocide that occurred, and, uh, and all the things related to that. And uh, the bottom line is, 
is uh, the point of the film is, um, you know, what we can do first to make people aware, and secondly, now that you're aware, how can we think differently and how can we act differently? And so we're we're involved with um, trying to push forward policy changes in the government, getting sponsors uh, for bills that will go, you know, uh, into committee and probably die there. But at least uh, move the argument to the left a little bit. Uh, and some of the things we're looking at are land repatriation out of the public land fund, a red wall next to the Vietnam Wall, which uh, wow. commemorates, uh, memorializes, uh, you know, the American genocide, which is upwards of 50 million people, uh, and all the things that continue to happen today, which is very quiet, people don't know about, but we're trying to make people aware of some of the, uh, you know, economic and social injustices that occur everywhere, but especially on Native American reservations, which is uh, really uh, just. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, yeah. It's insane, and it's, it's enraging, and it takes a lot. It sucks a lot of energy out of you to deal with this stuff because you're really fighting an uphill battle. Uh, people got enough problems in their lives; they don't want to hear about this. But you know, it's my personal opinion that that, that, that uh, you know, if we're this wonderful country that we think we are, we should definitely own our injustices, and uh, that's the first step. You know, but that's something that will probably never occur because when a uh, government owns its injustices, then it has to sort of try to right the wrongs. That can get expensive. Where can people find out about Shadow Nation? Is there a certain website they can go to? Uh, they can go to shadownationmovie.com. Uh, we have just finished up our last uh, road trip, uh, filming trip, and uh, so we are now editing uh, furiously. <laughs> and uh, we Submitted for quite a few film festivals, and we continue to do that. We one of our plans is to is to screen at South by Southwest and also perform, have the band perform. Cool. And what we'd ultimately like to do is take it on the road next year and screen the film or a uh, shorter version of the film, and then have the band come out and play the soundtrack because we've written the soundtrack. It's a, it's a two CD album that we're just finishing up. Uh, play the soundtrack, and then at the end of the night, open up the mic for discussion. Have a discussion with the audience for everybody who wants to hang out and discuss issues, discuss issues and see how they can get involved. Wow, excellent. Cool. Okay, back to the music. I spoke with Jeff Pilson, I guess, uh, probably three, four months ago, and he was uh, telling me that you guys might start writing some TNN stuff this fall, which it's currently this fall, and I wanted to just uh, get a status check on, on that from you. Well, yeah, I mean, Jeff and I uh, have dedicated ourselves to, uh, you know, play with each other and continue to write music together for as long as we can because we just enjoy writing together so much. I mean, it, it really has never really changed much from the docking days. I mean, we, I mean, back in the day, it was a little X-15 cassette four-track recorder, and now it's a full-on studio. But other than that, the process is still the same, and we kind of, and read each other's thoughts and react to each other instinctively, and and we just love making music together, uh, whether people buy it or not. <laughs> right. We just enjoy it. So um, we're just going to keep moving forward. As far as the timetable, it's hard to say because you know Jeff is is a workaholic and and his corner time schedule is insane. Um, so we have to work within you know or outside his. Foreigner touring schedule, and I've got you know, of course, all the projects that we're talking about 
Uh, so it's very tricky to find the time. That's that's the problem. And I imagine Mick but, Brown uh, and Brian Tishy would be back with you doing drumming. Uh, just just Mick, just Mick. I think we're going to keep it just talking without Don. And uh, bring in, you know, probably bring in the guest vocalists again, and and, and have Jeff sing uh, the original stuff. And uh, we've already recorded the uh, uh, the docking material. Oh, cool. Uh, musically, not, not vocally, and so those would be the songs that we bring the guests in for, guest vocalists. And then uh, we've had a few uh, original ideas that we had left on the cutting room floor from the last time we were together, but uh, you know. We need to get back into it and spend a month writing, uh, you know, a few weeks, a couple of weeks, something. Uh, we write very quickly, and uh, we live very close to each other, we live a couple miles of each other. So um, it's just a matter of time because I've got uh, got to finish up the KXM stuff. I've also got a, uh, another week or so to work on uh, the rest of the Shadow Train soundtrack record. And uh, the Infidels thing is an ongoing thing, which we've got to keep working on. And then I have another project for Frontier Records with with Brian Titchy, uh, Michael Sweet, and uh, James Lomenzo. Oh wow! That uh, is a just kind of a one-off project thing that a label in Italy hired us all to do. And uh, so I've already been writing a little bit for that. That is going to be done. That's going. We're going to be working on that in January and February. So I don't really see any windows for TNN Crew. Right. Before that, you know, I mean, what happens is, is I've, I've had this problem is I've, I jump from one project to another, you know, and, and then what I end up doing is plagiarizing myself and find myself, like, playing stuff from the wrong project <laughs> <laughs> and forgetting the names of the guys in the band. Right. <laughs> yeah, you and Jeff both always have so much going on. It's uh, mind-boggling. Yeah, that guy, is, uh, he's my hero. He's a... Uh, he is, uh, I don't know how he keeps it together, but he's, uh, you know, he's very organized and uh, he's a very clear thinker, which I'm not. So we, when I work with him, he's very, he's always been this way. He's, he's, he's a producer. I mean, he's very good at just directing the whole kind of flow of the work, you know, and the energy. And um, so, um, you know, and, you know, the, the music that we've always dreamed about creating from the docking days up through today has been the same. You know, we're always kind of searching for that elusive, perfect song and perfect band kind of vibe that we have been trying to create um, forever, you know. And so, um, you know, I thought the last record was phenomenal. I, mean, I just love listening to it. And, uh, you know, uh, but we realized that there are things about that record that, that, that we would do over again. And we're going to try to fix those problems on the next record. The, the main problem being that there was sort of this incongruity between the old material and the new material. It almost sounded like two different bands and two different records. You know, us redoing Into the Fire and then writing this new song that has nothing to do with what we did back in the 80s. Uh, all being on the same record was a little weird. So we're going to try to take that into consideration when we write on this next record so that all the material kind of seems a little more seamless. Cool, cool. Hey, I'm reading this book right now called Louder Than Hell. I don't know if you've you've read it, but you're quoted uh, quite a bit in, in one section of the book. And there's a story in there about uh, some of, the, I guess there was two different separate times you were up for the, the 
role of guitarist in, in Ozzy's band. And one of the stories I wanted to ask you about is you not getting that gig possibly because Sharon didn't like the way your guitar looked. Is that a, a correct story? Um, initially, I thought that, that was the one negative thing I heard from their camp was that she thought my guitar looked like a booger. I had this green and black tiger. It was actually the first tiger I made before I made my yellow and black one. And, uh, okay, I thought it was a pretty silly reason. Also, Ozzy came into my hotel room at one point, and he said, well, why did you cut your hair? He was really bummed that I had short hair. And I was actually, you know, doing a, a day gig as a liquor, a liquor delivery driver. Okay. <laughs> so I couldn't have long as I had to cut my hair. So, you know, I could have bought a wig. I mean, he was bald at the time, so I, his argument didn't carry a lot of weight with me. But uh, there was those two things. But I think... Yeah, I think it was image, really the, the image thing to them. And because uh, um, I had the songs down and, you know, I felt confident that I could play everything like I needed to, especially once I got comfortable. But I think really the, uh, the linchpin, no pun intended, of me not getting the gig was really Tommy Aldrich's opinion of me, which he felt. That, and, and I've talked to him about this since, and I, and I think he's right about this. He, was, he thought that I was this kind of animal that, that was really needed to be in my own band. I wasn't one of these guys that really fits into kind of anybody else's project very easily. You know, it's kind of square peg and round hole thing. And he's, he's right about that. I've never played in a cover band. I've, you know, under anybody else's rules, I always kind of created my own bands. And, and it was just not my strong suit, you know. So, um, you know. I'm not one of those guys where I can be a white snake, you know, this year and then be in some other band next year and some other band, you know. And I really admire those guys who can do that, but I'm really not that kind of guy. I kind of just like writing my own stuff and doing my own thing, building my bands around that. I hear you, definitely. Cool. And one last question. When we had Jeff on, he mentioned, you know, he felt that there was uh, some unfinished business with Dokken, and he kind of hinted to me that he would be definitely interested in discussing the possibility of maybe doing just one last Dokken record with the classic lineup. Um, is that something that interests you, or has that boat kind of set sail for you? Well, that, that came up again for the fourth or fifth time in the last eight years, but uh, we made a, a, a very uh, concerted effort to see if this could actually happen because we had some really uh, great offers uh, float in, and uh, this would have been a good basis for us uh, getting back together, and even for a couple of months, and like the 30th anniversary of Tooth and Nail, uh, maybe we could redo that record, or, uh, you know, I don't know, write a couple more songs, and, you know, uh, you know do some meaningful touring, and, and uh, do a DVD. Uh, but, uh, you know, in our past experiences with dealing with trying to get everybody together to do this, uh, what would happen invariably would be everybody would say yes, and then, uh, you know, including Don, and, and all agree to the major points, which is, for the three of us, uh, me, Mick, Jeff, and myself, uh, which is non-negotiable as we split everything up equal, as we did in Doc and when we were together in the 80s. That's what works. Uh, and, you know, so we have this agreement over the phone, and then 
just work, you know, to move the thing forward and have managers and agents and people flying around and doing all this work based on these promises that he would then renege on. So what Jeff and I decided this time is, well, we'll put a timetable on it. We need this in writing, Don, before we take go to step two, and we're not going to sit around and wait forever for you to change your mind. Well, you know, that timetable came and went, and he did not. And then he, then he of course, changed his tune and said, no, I want to own a bigger piece of the pie, or I'm not doing it. And so it's off the table. Gotcha. So that was the end of that. All right. Answer your question, though. Unfortunately. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, Reed always rears its ugly head, you know. Yeah. All right. Well, we look forward to uh, the KXM record. Uh, the little again, little clip I heard on the on the YouTube clip sounds great. It was called Gunfight, and I'm very excited to hear more from that band project. Uh, do you imagine you guys will tour KXM? Well, that's the million dollar question. Uh, you know. And again, the problem is a problem for us, not a problem for, for Ray. But, you know, corn tours uh, a lot, and uh, right in the sweet spot of the touring season. So our uh, options are very, very limited. Uh, there is a possibility that we could go out and do things and piggyback on, on Corngate. In other words, if corn plays some festivals in Europe or uh, in Japan or the States or something, Ray could pull double duty and KSM could be further down on the bill. Uh, that'd be tricky to pull off. Uh, but as far as having any dedicated time where we could actually go out on the road and rehearse and take it out and present it the way we want to present it, it would have to be around the corn schedule. Okay. And that's the same problem I have with TNN and uh, you know, just about everything else I'm involved in, which is why I'm moving forward with Lynch Mob. I'm, um, you know, I'm going to continue to use that as my kind of just uh, stable, you know, band that's always around, it has a name, uh, we can get paid, we can go out, people know who we are, we can play the dock and stuff, play the lynch mob stuff, and we can work, you know. Um, uh, so that's, uh, we're, we're actually looking at finishing up a record that we've been working on for about two and a half years. Oh, great. Um, and finishing and finishing that and getting it out next year and touring on that, because it's, uh, you know, I don't have to worry about the guys in those bands going, okay, well, I'm, I'm in a gigantic band that most of the year, so we can't tour with Lynch Mob. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't have that issue with Lynch Mob. So. Cool. Hey, George, thanks so much for talking with us today. And if we could get a Talking yeah. Metal ID from you, just saying your name and you're listening to Talking Metal whenever you're ready. Okay. This is George Lynch, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Slave!
just heard was a sound sample of Slave to the Empire with George Lynch, Jeff Pilson, Brian Tishy on the drums on that particular song. And a big thanks to George for speaking with us today and giving us uh, some real juicy tidbits, I thought, you know, the fact that there was recently an attempt to put the classic docking lineup back together and it didn't happen. I had not heard that info. And uh, also telling us about some of uh, his new projects that he's working on. And the movie, the Aussie stories were great. So big, big thanks to George for sharing that stuff with us here on Talking Metal. Here is the 69 Eyes with Crashing Eye. Guys, I want to wish you all a happy Halloween. Thanks for listening to Talking Metal. Please subscribe to us on iTunes. That's very important. If 
you use iTunes to get your podcast, you got to subscribe. If you don't use iTunes to get your podcast and you have iTunes, please subscribe to Talking Metal on 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 the iTunes store. Leave us a review while you're there. You can also pick up the Talking Metal podcast using Stitcher. For droid users, I guess that usually works quite well. Keep us alive with a little PayPal donation like our friend Eric from DC did earlier in the podcast. Buy the tracks you hear on Talking Metal Podcasts. The reason we don't usually play tracks in full, sometimes we do, but the reason we don't usually play them in full is because we want you to go purchase them. However, I love hearing them in full. I mean, I've been listening to that Lawn Friend podcast, uh, Energize. I mean, to hear him play the Who in full, you know, it's just awesome. I don't know if he's clearing it. My guess is he's not because it's very hard to clear music for podcasts and it can be very costly, especially when you're not making much money at it. Uh, and it takes, you know, Michael Butler does that too, plays songs in full. And it, it takes some, some balls, in my opinion, because there's always a slight risk. I do think it's slight, actually, but there's always a slight risk that you're going to upset somebody. The only people that can really come after you for playing a song in full on your podcast are people that are somehow directly involved in the song, and they're going to have to prove that to to iTunes. You know, if uh, you own the sound recording rights of the song, or you happen to be one of the publishers, one of the music publishers of the song, or one of the songwriters you could uh, have issue with somebody playing your song for whatever reason. I think it's bullshit. I think these podcasts actually help sell music. But, you know, it's what le- it's what is legal and what is not. And um, if people decide to come after you, I mean, playing any, even sound samples is not exactly uh, on the straight and narrow, if, if you know what I mean. And I'm saying this because we actually, maybe one day we'll stop playing music. I don't know. You know, it seems like it's, when you get into the whole advertiser thing, people get a little scared off when they hear that you're you're playing stuff that doesn't actually legally belong on your podcast. You know, I, I, I personally just don't think the, the record companies care that much. However, I did speak with somebody recently at a smaller label who expressed to me that they do care and they do do not want any more than 90 seconds of any of their music. And this is a smaller label played on podcasts. So, eh, go figure, whatever. Uh, I love all these artists that we play and I want you guys to go support them. You know, and that's why we do the sound samples. Go buy it. Maybe one day I'll say just fuck it and I'll play stuff in full like Lawn Friend is doing, like Michael Butler's doing. But for the most part, we don't play stuff in full. Like a song like Sean Baker that you heard earlier in the podcast, he gave me permission to play that in full. So sometimes there are stuff. There are some of the smaller labels like Century Media. We had an agreement with them for a while. Not sure if it's still in place, but we had an agreement with them for a while. We could play any of their stuff in full and not get scolded for it. Um, But, you know, it's kind of a drag because... You know, like Rock Strikes 10, I love that podcast, and I love hearing all the music played in full on that podcast. So, I guess you just got to stay under the radar. But as soon as you start getting up, out, out, you know, from from under the radar, you got to worry. And that's why I, I think, I, think I, I would be worried if I were 
some of these bigger podcasts and playing music. Who knows, though? Who knows? So, if we do get some sponsors on here, guys, support us by supporting those sponsors, please. Happy Halloween, guys. This is Halloween by King Diamond, a sound sample.